if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. I'd like to welcome back Jen Hamilton, Jen Hamilton Marsden today to Horse Chats. But before we do that, I'd just like to remind you that with a mission to improve the welfare of horses around the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers, International Horse College has been very thorough in the selection of courses for the wide variety of people who are already working or preparing to work in the horse industry. For more information about these government accredited courses, go to internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Now, welcome back, Jen. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you, and it's lovely to talk to you again. Uh, lovely to talk to you too, Jen. You gave us so much information about riders, and as coaches as well, as coaches and instructors and also as athletes ourselves, what we should be looking for as a rider. But there's two in this partnership, and today we're going to talk about horses. Is that right? That's right. So, Jen, you know, everyone wants to have a horse, and some are more suitable for jumping than others. I'm sure that all horses, if they're sound enough, they can jump to a certain ability. But if we're talking about suitability of horses, can we talk about that first before we go on and um, go into this a little bit more detail? Yes, I, I think it's an excellent starting place. The horse has to be suitable for the rider and for the task that the rider wants the horses to do. What's the goal? And what has to be remembered is that horses go to the level of the rider. So if you buy a very talented winning horse, but you're at a much lower level, you're going to reduce the horse's cooperation because it isn't understanding what you're asking because you don't understand what you're asking. So I think one horse does not last most people for the, their whole lives. You need a beginning horse and then that intermediate horse, and then you'll find your big competition horse if that's what you're looking for. But I think people really have to decide what they want. Do they want a horse that they can just tack and ride once or twice a week, and jump a little bit, go trail rides, this type of thing? Or are you really interested getting a competition horse. So if you're looking for a competition horse, you have to, as the rider, have to be at a certain level to be able to take the horse through to competitions. I think too often people buy too high-powered a horse for beginners or novice riders, and that's when there are disasters. It becomes very dangerous. I think beginning people, oh, all juniors and young kids really should have a horse that would be the McDonald's employee of the month. They need just plain nice horses. They don't have to be Olympic horses. They don't have to have be able to even jump a meter 10, a meter 20. They have to be suitable. They have to be kind and help the riders learn. Okay. You know, I know that just generally if people are talking about riding, you know, they want to have a horse 
and it's a dream to buy their first horse and go all the way through to their Olympics. But yeah, you're right. I often recommend people to not buy their first horse, but to go and get lessons instead. You know, get someone that's there oh, for sure. who can keep you safe and suitable and everything else and learn how to walk, trot, canter and pop over a low jump and do all these sorts of things within the guidance of an instructor who's going to be there with you every step of the way before you even buy your first horse, which is then, I suppose, your, your more, you know, first horse that you're going to have for yourself. But by the time that you've already learned how to walk, trot, canter, jump, but then you're taking that a bit further then saying, well, when you're first learning how to jump or, you know, do something, you might want to go out, do trail rides and have a good all-round horse before you really focus on yep. that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, talented horses, you know, like we hear about a horse being talented. Okay. So you have, again, talent. When you're talking about a talented horse, you have to know the discipline that you're going towards. A cutting horse, a Western cutting horse is different from a jumper. And a jumper is different from a dressage horse. So you have to think of the discipline. But the first thing is you have to have a good mind on the horse and they have to be sound. Then you, you're looking at natural, it's natural athleticism, it's balance. A horse has to be athletic and balanced to allow the jumps to mechanically work properly. And a horse, to be a, a top jumper, the horses have to have power. But the, and the thing that we don't talk a lot about is the horse has to have spring. You know, some horses, they just kind of clump when they jump. And other horses have such tremendous spring to them. If you have power and no spring, it doesn't work that well. Spring to me is one of the most important things. To be a top horse, they have to be careful jumpers but not too careful because they can then become chickens. The other thing is a horse has to have a stride to begin with. Horses are based on a 12-foot stride, at least in North America. And if you have a horse that's very short striding, you'll never be able to get down the lines correctly. Even if you add a stride in a line, that could be okay. But once you get the combinations in wider fences and more complicated courses, the stride of the horse is important. So the stride has to get you to the jump, and then the athleticism, the spring, takes them over it with carefulness. Yeah, you say it almost all in one go, Jen, but you've given so many different points there. I think this is about the time, you know, if I was listening to the podcast, I'd be going back and going, oh, I'll just repeat that a few times just so that I really get that, you know, because I think the points that you're making, they're very good, very sound and very thoughtful and obviously, you know, very experienced. But, you know, every point that you've said there is is important. I think you can just boil it down to really, if they have to have a good mind and be sound. Mm -hmm. They have to have stride to get you to the jump. And then you have to have the athleticism in the spring to take them over those jumps. Just thinking about the rider. So we might have an experienced rider. So an experienced rider that's gone around on the schoolmaster. They've learned. They've been under instruction. All of a sudden they've got their first horse, but it happens to be a young horse. 
I'd like to think young horses, when they are first learning to jump, they've never seen a pole on the ground before. Their first pole on the ground, what sort of challenges are there and how to correct them? Well, firstly, I'd like to preface it that I don't think a young horse should be started by an inexperienced rider. It just goes against everything I believe in. I think you have to go by the adage, the old teach the young. Whether it's the old rider, the young horse, or vice versa. Anyway, we're assuming everything is fine. So we've got a young horse that's never jumped. Well, first of all, I think just in the flat work, the horses should be taught to go over poles from the very beginning. So it becomes very natural. Go over poles, go between standards. So it doesn't become a big deal. Then once we've got the horse, so they'll go over poles and they'll steer. They've got to be able to steer. Then you can, I would do a little bit of stride control, finding out about the horse's stride length. And we talked about it last time, I think, about putting poles down to 18 meters and cantering the poles in the five, six, and four strides. Then when I was starting to jump it, I would actually just have a cross rail and I would trot into the jump and then allow the horse to canter away to the pole so that you're always giving direction to the horse and rider where they're to go. People have a tendency to think that, well, I've jumped the jump and now my job is done. Going away from a jump, the backside of a jump is the just as important as the front side of the jump because away from one jump is to the next. Now, when you're starting jumping, also do it at a, from a trot. You can't mess up the distance to a jump from the trot. The trot also encourages the horse to keep a better rhythm and the horse and riders to be patient and just let the jump come to them. And then you encourage the horse just to canter away. Eventually, I would um, then just have an individual jump, so which would be added to the sequence that you do the individual jump from a trot, canter to the pole, and then keep cantering. Let's say just go across the diagonal, and there's another jump. And you just literally have the horse canter and let the horse find the jumps instead of the rider trying to orchestrate the actual approach. At the jumps that we're, people are going to be jumping, there is no distance to look for. That jump is just another stride. Let the jump come to you and then ride the backside of the jump again. Then the next thing I would do was I would do two jumps in a line. I'd trot into the first one. I would have the second one set at about 18 meters away and just let the horse canter to it. And you'd be looking for four or five strides, but you, don't, you can't force things. The other thing is we never want the horse to find out if you can go around a jump. And so I'm a firm believer in having guide poles at the jumps, just helping everybody go straight into the jumps. And you just build it from there. After they've done individual fences and just, you know, little trot fences going into a second fence, 
or uh, then to a second fence, I'd then start doing gymnastics, very non-threatening gymnastic. And I, I'm going to have to give them to you in feet, the distances in feet. So I would have a cross rail, 18 feet to a vertical, 21 to an oxer. And again, trotting in, and it would be a one stride to a one stride. Now, it's being introduced, and so it has to be done gradually. What I would do, actually, is I'd start out middle jump, just. I'd start out with just a cross rail. We're eventually going to get to cross rail, vertical oxer. But to begin with, we'll just have a cross rail in the middle one Let and just have the horse go through it. Again, guide poles. And in this case, we want the horse's, the rider's hand to be very soft, allowing the horse just to go through it. And it might just trot through the whole thing. Put the cross rail up to a little vertical, having a good ground line out to encourage it to jump, and it probably will jump and then canter out of it. Then I'd put the, the first element in a cross rail. Now we have a cross rail to a vertical to a pole coming out. Again, trotting in, soft hand, allow the horse to jump, then one stride, another jump, and they'll canter out over the pole, and eventually all of the jumps go up. But first time I did all three, in the gymnastic, I would have cross rail, 18 feet to the vertical, and I would have the 21 feet just to a cross rail again, just in case something happens in the gymnastics so it's a non-threatening jump coming out. And if everything is fine, you just eventually build it to cross rail, vertical, oxer. And the horse will learn to do it very quietly. If they do get a little strong, though, I'd put a pole between each element, a placing pole right in the middle, just to help the horse. If you do this simple gymnastic, it will almost become a security blanket for the horse and rider. If Later, when things are getting more complicated and more sophisticated, if the horse starts to get rattled or something or the rider you go back to that simple gymnastic cross rail 18 feet vertical 21 feet to the oxer and you solve problems in that gymnastic yeah i talked to you about a young horse and i talked to you about challenges but i think what you've emphasized is if you do this in a logical sequential order starting with just poles on the flat put up your stands have them available get the horse confident through them, make sure they can steer. You're basically saying, if you do it correctly, you may need some guiding rails, you may need to you know, change it around a little bit, go back to um, the basics a bit more. But basically you're saying there shouldn't be any challenges if you follow this logical training method. Is that is that what you're really emphasising here? We shouldn't have challenges with the young yeah, horses? definitely. Definitely. Most problems start because of confusion. Very simple steps doing things. If the horse starts getting a little bit fast, it's because they're tense. Go back to your flat work. Go back to your poles and your stride control and things. If there's a problem, go back up. Go back to the basics. 
Great, great. So the horse has done the basics. And you're out because, you know, you're out and you're teaching, you're doing schools, doing workshops, and you're not just doing them in Canada, but, you know, previously, before we had COVID, you were doing them all over the world. And let's say you're doing them all over the world again, or teaching online as a lot of instructors do. But, you know, you're there with a group of students. What do you expect to see today? What sort of challenges would you expect to see the riders be having that you can then go along and correct with what particular exercises? I think most, what the thing that always has to go back to is position for the rider. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available. And the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. We did talk about that so much last time. So yes, if if people aren't sure at this stage about position for the riders, I think if you haven't listened to the previous episode, you really should go back, listen to that previous episode. You'll find it on horsechats.com. Just search for Jen, search for Hamilton. I think it's Jen Hamilton 3. So look for that podcast, go back and then start this one because we need to get the rider established first before we talk about the horse. Sorry, Jen, for interrupting. Please keep going once you've got the um, position. Well, I think they have to make sure their position is correct and that the horse, you're always working on rideability of the horse that they go forward, they come back, they have the go and the woe, that they can be turned. I mean, people have got to work on longitudinal exercises and lateral exercises to help keep the rideability of the horse up. I think one of the biggest problems probably I should talk about is when things go wrong, the first thing you ask, is the horse sound? Because again, an unsound horse is not a happy horse. And quite often we don't see it, uh, unsoundness as the horse just bobbing its head and things. But if there's strange behavior, an anomaly within the behavior, I think you call the vet. As an instructor, it's not our job to treat the horse. It's our job to recognize that there's a problem and say, this is not our specialty area. We don't have to treat the horse. We need to identify that there's a problem and refer it to a specialist. Definitely. I have made a bargain with the vets and the farriers around me that if they won't give riding lessons, I won't better shoe their horses. <laughs> and we have a great relationship. Yep. Brilliant. Brilliant. Now we'll keep going. We've got to make sure the house horses sound um, so you're out at a workshop, you make sure all the horses are sound. Any other challenges you're likely to get that are fairly common? You know, I'm thinking 
for people who are listening to this and they may be riding themselves, they may be teaching someone who's riding, but it's some sort of challenges that they may have as well. And they may say, oh, right, I've really learned a lot here from Jen. This is what I can do with this rider that's having this particular challenge at the moment. Is this any common ones that you see um, that you can help the other coaches with? Oh, that's a hard question, actually. <laughs> I've, I've seen you teach. I've seen you, you, you know, help a lot of coaches and riders. But, you know, when people are coming to you and they say, look, I'm just not sure, this is, this is the problem that I'm having now, what's a common one that you would have? Probably horses that rush. And that would be the horses that rush or um, don't keep the distance to the jump. In other words, we're suddenly chipping and things. And so if it was a horse that was rushing a lot, I'd have them be doing a lot of downward transitions, um, actually trotting into a jump and halting about two strides out, then cantering to it halting and then when the horse um got so used to the halt that it would be quieter than it the horse is allowed to go forward if that's what's happening in front of the jump um so there are some horses that rush to the jump and then they have ones that run away from the jump the horses that run away from the jump are usually the scared ones and again, just a lot of halting, but, you know, a, a fair distance so that they don't associate. And it has, it has to be a nice downward transition, firm, but not rough, because the roughness would cause more problems. Um, I do a lot of stride control, holes at the 18 meters and doing it in five, six, and I wouldn't do the four if the horse was rushing. Um, so, again, it's just a lot of longitudinal work. Um, horses that rush away from jumps, actually, as I said, are often are quite scared. And quite often, a, maybe a previous rider who had the horse had such a poor position that they actually scared the horse. And so it's, you know, it got grabbed in the mouth or someone sat down on it hard or they got spurred because the person's leg was so weak or something. And so it tries to get, of course, just tries to get over the jump and run away from it. I just, so again, it's position and that type of thing. Now, for a young horse who's in the process of preparing for their first competition, what sort of preparation should the horse have when it's getting ready. So, you know, we're not going to just turn up at the first competition and say, right, you know, first round out we go. But what do they need before they get to that stage? Okay, so you're talking about taking a horse to its first horse show. Yes. Um, last time we, we talked about simulation. Mm -hmm. When we're talking about the rider. To, but it, it's for the horse too. You're reenacting the whole thing. So you have to have had the horse... Um, introduced to fillers at horse shows so you need to put some out um even just a blanket over you know a jump to fill it in if you don't have fancy fills in this type of thing and so i think all of that you have to try and simulate 
what you're going to see at the horse show at home as much as you can for both the horse and the rider. One of the main things at horse show is that dreadful schooling area, the warm-up area. I think more classes are lost in the schooling area than are ever won in the arena. And it's mainly because, well, the emotions are so high. The riders and the coaches and the parents' emotions are high. And so you always have to have things kept down, the emotional level down as much. And the best way to do that is to have a warm-up plan. Actually have a plan that you're going to go out and, you know, trot a little bit and canter and do some transitions and maybe a little lateral work. And then you're going to jump a few jumps. The other thing is people jump too many jumps in the schooling area. I really think that you only need to jump four to six jumps in the schooling area. You don't want to take the jumps out of the horse. So you have a training plan. Everybody's calm. You go in the ring. And it's a young horse. It's his first show. It's going to be wiggly going down to the jumps and looking at things. You just have to think about riding it forward and straight, forward and straight. If there's a problem, the best thing to do is do a transition, do a downward transition somewhere, you know, around the turn. Get things calmed down again. You're not, it isn't an Olympic ride you're in. You're training for the future. You're a winner by training for the future, even in the competition ring. So, horse is getting a little wild. Bring them back to a trot, trot into the first jump of the line, let them canter down out of line because you've already practiced that at home. And the horse is going to be comfortable in that. The worst thing you can do is just get on a mad tear and charge around the ring. Like if the horse is really looking at things and backing off and actually might stop, well, it's just looking, it's trying to figure things out. The worst thing you can do is start beating them over jumps because now you're creating a new problem that they're not going to want to go in the ring and jump the jumps. Everything has to be kept calm. When in doubt, slow down. Better to go to a trot and jump some jumps so you can at least get over them. You're not going to win the class anyway. What's the difference? Oh, no, the, you know, we said last time about the goal is uh... – just for the rider, for their first competition, is just to get back and get the, um, you know, just get back safe and alive to the finish pegs. The, the actual expression is arrive alive at the outgate mounted. <laughs> That's it, yes. Okay, what's the um, goal then for the horse? Is that arrive alive at the outgate with your rider mounted or slightly different for the horse? No, I think it's the same thing. Okay, okay. As they um, get... More confident. You know, the horse is more confident. They've gone out. They've, You know, and even just in training, do we ride them differently? The more confident horse that the jumps are higher, are we riding them any differently to the young horse? Well, the young horse, everything is done very quietly and slowly. They're not jumping big jumps or anything. As the the jumps get up higher, and people always just talk about, oh, the jumps are getting higher. The other, to me, the even more important thing is the jumps are getting wider, which means that the horse has to be put in to a, a brighter package, a, a package of energy. 
you're start now starting to get up into thinking about impulsion a little bit. Lower things, there's no impulsion involved. Now we're talking about the impulsion. They're going to be jumping verticals to oxers and then oxers to verticals, and we'll have to be turning and things. So the horse's package of energy is going to be brought up in brightness and impulsion, and that's when rideability starts to go away. They have to be trained, the rideability, with this more of an this canter with more impulsion. And horses also, they have to be taught to open up their bodies to the wider jumps and things. And that's done through gymnastics. Is there anything here we can do? You know, we've talked about a talented horse and I know there was a, a lot of focus on having a good mind, the soundness, the stride length and the spring. What can we do to improve a horse's technique? Oh, it's definitely done through gymnastics. Well, first of all, it's done through making the horse stronger. A horse that's weak, is dangly in front, isn't very good in front. It's usually because it's very weak behind. And so strengthening exercises need to be done. And they, people can read books about it, but simple ones are transitions, you know, um, from an open stride to a very closed stride, doing bounces, doing um, interval training type of things. So you, to improve technique, improve strength, and it's strength behind. It's what it is. And then you put them into gymnastics, and there are so many different gymnastics for different things you're trying to work on. And it's hard. I can't even describe them because I – Read my book. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and if, you, uh, if you'd like to know a bit more about that book, go to horsechats.com, search for Jen Hamilton, Jen Hamilton Marsden, and you'll find all the details of how to get that book at the bottom of the page. The book is called Stride Control, and there are a lot of examples of gymnastics in it. So, you know, I mean, you've talked so much about transitions and, and the quality and the strength and gymnastics. You know, if we're talking about a horse who's training for show jumping as opposed to a general all-round horse or a dressage horse, what's the main focus? Is that it, gymnastics and the strength, or is there something else that we should add to that as well when we're training horses for show jumping? Well, it's always the rideability on a true canner. Anybody can have control when they're on that sloppy canner. You have to have rideability within a, within the strong canner. I mean, you have to have enough energy to get to the jump, jump it, and leave it. And so that has to be trained. And the riders have to get used to it. it as the jumps get bigger, the canner gets bigger and more powerful. And riders have to learn to like it. Yep. And not yep. be intimidated. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you learn that at home. Yep. Jen, you give us so much. And as I said, you just go off and say one sentence, but, you know, you put so many different points within that sentence. Certainly this is one to go back to listen again, particularly for someone who's teaching, who's riding, who's, you know, who's training show jumping. Go back, re-listen to this. And, and read stride control. And read stride control because stride control, you'll be able to go through 
highlight the pages if you need to and go, right, this is really, really important. I mean, when, when I was at school, we were told to not write in books and not mark the books. But I think even if you just get a pencil and a rubber, you know, you write and you put stars and you go, this bit's really important. This is what I need to focus on. So, um, you know, once you've got your own copy of Stroke Control, and if you're worried about marking the book, photocopy it and, um, you know, and just write down the oh, particular the pages. Book. Yeah, yeah, but write down. You know, if you've got a page that's really, really important, if you just copy it and highlight it, put it up on your wall and go, right, this is what I need to focus on right now within my writing. And then once you've got that down, you go, right, what's the next bit? And you keep reading it again and again and again. And, um, yeah, feel free to put highlights through the book. The important thing also is that the book was designed to be taken to the arena for when you're riding. Yep, yep, perfect, perfect. So that you can actually look at it Yep. and keep checking. <laughs> Jen, this is brilliant. You know, I'm looking forward to the next time. You know, we've talked about rideability. When you, when you first came on, we, did, we talked about the rider, the horse, and I'm sure that we'll be coming up with some great exercises or great things to chat about next time. So I'm looking forward to chatting with you again. And I will talk to you very soon. Well, I look forward to it too. But let me just finish with one thing. And and also too, I we've got to talk about people if they do want to contact you. You now now regular listeners will know that they know your contact details will be on horse chats. But please, yes, finish off with something else you were going to say. I think what has to always be remembered when riding a horse, you want to go forward, you want to go straight. And you want to be calm. Forward, straight, calm. That's what you want. But you know how what you said then is you didn't say you want the horse calm. You want the rider to be calm. I want everybody calm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. That's what I'm thinking. You know, a lot of people talk about the horse being calm, but you said you want the rider to be calm as well. I think that's important. But then it translates into the horse. Yes, yep. Okay, Jen, looking forward to catching up with you again. But before we go, your contact details. What's the best way to contact you? Oh, they can contact me at Jen Hamilton, J-E-N, Hamilton60 at gmail.com. Perfect. All right, Jen, look forward to catching up with you again. Thanks for that. Bye-bye. Okay, and everyone be safe. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 